KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The stock market continues to hit high numbers, this despite the overall state of the economy being uneven, to say the least. Now, there is some concern out there about market bubbles right now. How concerned should we be? What exactly is a bubble and what happens when it bursts? To talk about this, we reached out to Cindy Axelrod. She is an associate professor at Temple University's Fox School of Business, also deputy finance department chair. Give a listen. So I'd like to kind of start before we kind of dig into specific ideas. How is it that on one hand, we can have an economy with tens of millions of people losing their jobs, all kinds of uncertainty to the point where we're basically just sending people money to help them get through. And on the other hand, have stocks, the market setting all kinds of records. Try to square that circle for how these are both parts of the same society. It's it's actually not as difficult as you would think, Matt. Um, basically, the stock market is an anticipatory mechanism, meaning not only does it take all of the information that everybody already knows, but it looks forward. And that's driven by emotion. And basically, right now, all of us are looking forward to a more positive future. And the stock market is a reflection of that. We're going to all be vaccinated. We're going to all be back in the office, whether you think that's good or bad. But we're all going to be back in the office. And life is going to be, um, dare I say it, back to not not normal, but back to pre-COVID at some point where we're all going to be able to gather with our family, gather with our friends, go to the movies, go to a restaurant, go on vacation, go on a plane, not wear a mask anywhere. So the market is looking forward to that eventually happening. And the market tends to swing like a pendulum, if you will, on a clock to the upside too far and to the downside too far. We get too positive and then we come back to more of an equilibrium. We get too negative as we saw when the market corrected and we come back to an equilibrium. Right now, everybody is trying to find the positive in what's going to happen. And that's really what's driving the emotion of the market. The other thing that's happening, you and I are sitting at home right now, right? You're in your home office. I am, I'm in my home office. Okay. So when was the last time you went out to a restaurant? March. Right. Okay. So um, all that money, you know, people spend a lot of money on food and entertainment, right? Food, entertainment, clothing, travel. Um, I can't remember the last time I bought a suit for work since lockdown. That's a few hundred bucks here and there, restaurants, takeout, all that stuff. That adds up really quickly. So we're not spending as much as we used to by a long shot. So we all have a little extra money jingling around in our pockets. Um, are you saving more than you were before, Matt? Um, I'm probably about the same because I've always been a very good saver. Okay, you're the exception to the rule. Most people are not good savers. Most people say, ah, that's what's in my checking account. This is what I can spend. Or I can certainly deficit spend and I'll just pay off. You know, the way we deficit spend is by spending on a credit card, home equity loan, whatever it is. It's basically um, using debt to fund our lifestyle. But most people, what's happening right now, and I'm a good saver too. I'm like you, super conservative. Um, what's going on right now is 
instead of this bucket of money that we had for food, entertainment, travel, vacations, we're suddenly saving that. Instead, we're finding at the end of the month or the end of our pay period, we have a little extra money um, floating around. So what are we going to do with it? Well, you can spend it. Of course you could spend it. But what are you going to spend it on? Um, you know, my house, the the Amazon guy, I think we're on a first name basis at this point. He comes every single day. Every day is like Christmas. There's always a package on my doorstep. My mail might not be coming on a most regular basis through the U.S. post office. I'm still waiting for some things from the holidays for that. But Amazon is coming every day. But I'm not spending those funds on all the fun stuff. Um, instead, maybe I'm spending it, maybe I've expanded my, I've picked up a Netflix subscription or a Hulu subscription, or I've added HBO Max to my Verizon or my Comcast subscription. Well, those additions don't even come close to what we're not spending money on in the food, the entertainment, the vacation, the clothing. So we're saving money. Now, where do people typically save money? Typically, it's either they put it in the bank and you may have your standard savings account, which you should always have an emergency fund of about three to six months of your non-discretionary spending, um, or we invest it in the stock or the bond market. Okay, so chances are you and I certainly, um, as conservative savers, we have our three to six month emergency fund, right? We've got that. Um, maybe we have a little extra. Maybe we've padded it a little bit to beef it up a little bit for those things that we're going to do. But when it comes down to it, when you talk to a bank where you have your checking or savings account and you say, hey, I'd like to um, check out what your rates are. What are the rates? They're absolutely abysmal. They're less than 1%. Um, it's probably the first time that then I can ever say, you know, maybe my dad was right, putting some, um, you know, some of his extra savings under the bed mattress, you know, because it earns about the same rate of return. You earn nothing on the bank. It's less than a half of a percent. It's really nothing. Um, bonds are very similar. I mean, obviously, you're taking on some more risk of liquidity. And if you're investing in a corporate bond, you're taking on the risk of a corporation and whatnot defaulting. Rare, but it does happen. But even there still, you're not getting a great rate of return. That leaves us to the next level. People are investing money in the stock market. So we have more funds coming in and more people buying it. It's supply and demand with either specific stocks or mutual funds. And given that there's more demand for these products, um, the price goes up. So therefore, that's fueling the stock market gains. Pretty simple. I've started to read, and once again, I'm coming at this from kind of a novice, but people utilizing the term concerns about a bubble in the stock market. Given what you just said of all these extra people, do you share concerns that there could be a bubble in the stock market? And let's start, describe for people quickly what a bubble is in these terms. A bubble, what a bubble say in the stock market is, is when the market overall is overvalued for current conditions. And remember, I said to you that the market is a discount uh, value mechanism, that it looks towards the future. Well, people get a little too excited about how the future is going to be, um, how positive it's going to be. And I don't doubt that there's pockets of that occurring, but really as an investor, um, what there's always 
um, areas within the market and always specific companies whose stock is going to be undervalued, whose stock offers opportunity for investment for the long term. And remember, you know, the best way to invest is we're not going back to day trading that, oh, I can buy a stock at 930 in the morning and I'm going to sell it at two in the afternoon because I've made my 25%. We're not talking about that. We're talking about investing and investing is something that happens over the long term. Speculation is something that happens over the short term. And speculation really is where those bubbles occur. Um, As an investor, I'm more inclined if I start seeing pockets of undervaluation or if the market were suddenly to see some deterioration, I'm more inclined to look at things as, okay, maybe I want to commit more funds to this. It's almost like getting um, a sale, so to speak. You go to back in the good old days when we could actually walk into a store and you walked into your favorite retailer and it's Monday and you saw a sweater on the rack and you really liked it, but it was too expensive. And then you went back that Thursday and suddenly there's a 30% off sign on that particular rounder for that sweater. And you're like, oh, wow, now I can buy that sweater. So that's really what it is. When the market starts to deteriorate, and again, I'm very cautious on saying the market because you're not investing in the market unless you're investing, say, in in an index fund. Um, And again, not all of your assets are going to be invested in a particular index fund. You should be diversified, be it by geography, by country, uh, by industry, by sector, whatever it may be. But there's always an opportunity to buy something that's cheaper, that at a cheaper valuation, or in the example that I just gave you, when something goes on sale. And really, when something goes on sale, that's your opportunity to go ahead and invest more. Something like that is called dollar cost averaging. Whereas like for every paycheck you have in your 401k plan, you consistently have that money come out and be invested each and every pay period. So one week you may be investing at $10. The next week you may be investing at $12. The following week maybe at $8. There's volatility. But over time, if you keep on that disciplined investment track, you commit a nice little nest egg that gets a really nice, generous rate of return. So do you have, given what we know, given what you just explained about the concept of bubbles and stuff like that, do you have concerns right now of bubbles in the market? I think perhaps the market has gone too far too fast. And, you know, we're all looking for January, you know, the the next 10 days, what's going to happen when we have a change of, you know, what's going on in Washington. We've had some turbulence over the last few days. That's been a bit scary, but we're all hopeful that if we were to look back in six months, things are going to be much better than they are now. So might we hit some air pockets between now and then? Might might it be a little bit volatile? And you need to have um, the understanding and the inner strength to know that things will get better and the discipline not to just pull out at, you know, immediately that's it, I'm all out. Because chances are, if, if you decide, say right now, you know, the market's down 10% um, in the month of January, let's just give a hypothetical. I don't subscribe to that, but a hypothetical. So you're making the call to liquidate all of your assets. You actually have to make two calls. You can look like a hero by saying, I'm out of the market and the market continues to go on its downward spiral. But eventually the market stabilizes and finds its equilibrium point 
And you need to get the second call as to find out when to get back into the market because you'll miss all of the upside. Um, generally, if you miss all of, um, if you try to pick cherry, cherry pick certain days of market downside or upside, you really don't do well. You do well over time by having a disciplined investment approach. And that's what I'd suggest here. Don't try to um, time the market. Um, there's been numerous, numerous investors that are incredibly bright and incredibly smart, and no one has ever been successful. Warren Buffett, for example, one of the best investors ever, long-term investors, he's not an advocate of market timing either because you have to get those two calls right, when to get out and when to get back in, and no one's ever successful at doing that. Are there certain areas of the stock market, certain sectors? We hear so much about the tech sector, and yeah. it seems to drive a lot of the conversation and a lot of how people feel about the direction things are going. Do we pay too much attention to that? Is that is it driving too much? But then I guess on the other hand, the Amazons, the Apples of the world, they've become so ingrained in our everyday life, it's hard to overstate their importance? Um, yes and no on that. I would say, you know, certainly through the last 10 months, I think we've all learned a different way of living. Um, as I mentioned to you, Amazon comes to my door every day. That didn't happen a year ago. Is it likely to continue? Yes. Um, it's likely that I'm going to continue to use Amazon, Instacart, whatever it may be. But are there other stocks that have been left in the dust, if you will? You know, if when we get back to pre-COVID levels, the economy should turn around and do better. So perhaps it might be an idea to start looking at some of those stocks that are um, more cyclical, more tied to an economic rebound than say consumer staple stocks or say Amazon. Um, how much more upside is left to you know, the Amazons and the Apples of the world versus there may be some securities in other sectors, those that are, say, industrial or cyclical that are more tied to the success of um, the economy recovering, whose valuations are depressed and offer more upside over the next 12 months. We talk about bubbles. And once again, coming at this as a layman, when I hear bubbles bursting, you think mm -hmm. of the dot-com bubble you yes, think of the housing bubble in yes. 2008, 2009. Does a bubble bursting always have to be that disastrous? Or is it? Uh, are there different levels of what happens when we see if there are pockets of bubbles within, an econ within a market, within an economy, uh, when they burst? Does it always have to be that bad? Um, does it always have to be that bad? No. But what people tend to remember are the things that are that bad. Um, you can certainly look at certain stocks that when they announce their earnings, for example, and they miss what analysts are expecting or what investors are expecting, and then suddenly, you know, they miss it by a penny or two, and the stock corrects by 20%. Um, that's, that's emotionally, that's distressing. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not always that bad, that there's always pockets of opportunity for astute investors to invest their funds in. The important thing is, again, that you maintain that long-term viewpoint and not that speculative viewpoint, that you're investing for the long-term. You're not investing for what you're going to make one month from now. We hear a lot, and this is kind of out of, I feel like it's kind of out of left field, but 
it's becoming more and more. What are your thoughts of the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin that we're starting to hear? I was honestly surprised. Like I at my uh, grocery store, they've got the thing you can put the change in and you get, you know, you can cash your change in and sure, they sure. take seven percent or whatever. But yep. now there's like an option. You can buy Bitcoin, which was just I thought that was really off the beaten it's path. Cool. You know, like yeah, but not something I would ever consider. And we hear so much about these cryptocurrencies, specifically Bitcoin, going all over the place. Is that having any effect on the market, or is that a separate entity, or is it starting to become interwoven? I'm by no means a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency expert by a long shot. Um, I think it's something that's here and here to stay, but the volatility of it is enough to keep me away from it. Um, and again, as a professional investor, um, I'm a little leery of that. So I prefer to, to invest elsewhere. Um, I think it's here to stay. And I think for those that are astute and are great with dealing with that kind of volatility, that's awesome. But for the general layperson, it's really not something that you should be investing in. That's really where you get back to the speculative end of it again. So overall... Given our discussion about looking the market, looking to the future and all, what you know about the economy, obviously our current situation, what are your thoughts on the direction we're headed with the economy? Is it uh, some more short-term uncertainty and then brighter days ahead? I think there's always going to be uncertainty. We have a really long road ahead of us um, with getting the economy back to pre-COVID levels. I think, you know, we're, we're vaccinating the public little by little. Again, it's not rolling out as quickly as we thought, but we're vaccinating the public. At some point, things are going to get back to normal and whatever normal may be let's just say pre-COVID levels or 2019 levels, what, that's probably a better way to couch it. But things are going to be better. And the economy and the stock market generally have an upward bias over time. The Fed has been very accommodated as far as economic growth. The Fed wants to see the economy grow. Certainly the new um, presidential regime wants to make sure that the economy does well going forward because it's a reflection on their leadership. So the market and the economy are going to have an upward bias as we look out over the next few years. Um, so I'm favorably inclined towards the market. I'm certainly continuing my own personal investing and advising people like you that ask me, you know, what do I think about this? And, and I think that if we were to take a look at where we are in 18, 24 months, this certainly there's opportunities that exist and people should be taking advantage of that as far as their investment portfolio is concerned. Again, assess what your risk tolerance may be, how much risk do you feel comfortable taking on? That's the most important thing. Um, but again, over time, the market is, has an upward bias, as does the economy. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.